Welcome to the South Canaan Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Amen. What a wonderful service we've had so far. And uh, God bless everyone, all our visitors, our friends, and our church family. Thank you so much. Corbin, thank you for the reading and uh, appreciate it very much. I'm beginning a study, a series of studies to help the Christian who is struggling with sin. More specifically, the Christian brother and sister in Christ who is facing a terrible life-dominating sin. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 puts it like this, laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Sad to say, the truth and the reality is that there are many children of God, and I've counseled many, who are struggling with a life-dominating sin. So, uh, I've been studying how to help. We all need help at some point in our lives. It's key to know that Jesus Christ is the only power to break the bondage of slavery to sin. You need to realize that and recognize that if you're struggling, and sometimes we all are. In fact, back to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, I believe it talks about looking to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Have you ever caught that? The author, not just the author, but the finisher of our faith. Who gives us the support that we need? His name is Jesus. Amen. His name is Jesus. So we want to talk about something that will be extremely helpful this morning in dealing with this issue. And that is to have a life that is cross-centered. Or a Christ-centered life. Or a life that is dominated by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And so to look at that and, and investigate this study, we want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, have your few Bibles, if you want to turn there, if you have your electronic equipment, you may turn there. I want to welcome all of our uh, visitors online. Thank you for joining us. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so let's discover the powerful message that's found in God's fantastic Word. Let's begin reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 9. Paul here says this, Therefore we make it our aim, goal, if you will, to please, or whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Who is Him? What's well, talking about Jesus Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what is done, whether they're good or bad. So Paul here lays out this foundation, and I think it's important for us to note this, that there's something that motivates even him. Sometimes we just, I guess, look at these people in the Scripture and say, oh, they didn't have the same problems we face. But we all have the same motivations, or should have anyway. We find different things of different folks. But here, this is something that motivates the Apostle Paul. And what is that motivation? 
Well, the motivation is, in order to please Him, is the fact that we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That ought to get everybody's attention. Everything that we've done. Everything that we said. Uh-oh. And every thought. Oops. Imagine that, folks. Let's continue reading in verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust as well known in your consciences. Verse 12, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on your behalf, on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are sound-minded, it is for you. Verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. Amen. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore... From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, and this is important, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Folks, this is key. We're going to learn and as we go on in these, some of these studies that we need to convey to everyone that we meet and everyone that we're trying to help and everyone that's facing a crisis and problems and dealing with and struggling with life-dominating sins that you can be reconciled with Jesus Christ. You can. And Jesus has the power, as I said earlier, to break that bondage. You remember back in Romans 6, in verse 6, that the old man was crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 14 reminds us this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Hallelujah. That's where we stand in His sight. That's where we stand in reality in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and finish reading these wonderful passages. Verse 19 says, That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. You this morning, you here as your listeners, you who are in this building. Be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now these passages that we read, it may not seem to you 
to be all that relevant to this important topic. But it is all about how the Apostle Paul changed. Think about it. The one who was called Saul, the Pharisee, the one who dragged members of the church, men and women, into jails, and later on had them killed. He went from that to Paul, to a life dominated by Christ. So how did things change so radically in his life? What are some of the hidden gems that help us see some powerful principles that can help our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are fighting just to stay above water? Just to live one day after another. Notice what Paul said in verse 15. So key. And he died, speaking of Jesus for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for Him who died. For them who rose again. You see, you see the Apostle Paul, for him, a transformation took place of the love he had of Jesus Christ. And that fact underscores and uncovers a very fundamental truth that we're going to see. Two things in these passages that I want to recall to your attention that made all the difference in the world in the life of the Apostle Paul. The first is a healthy fear of offending Jesus Christ. I want you to get that one more time. A healthy fear of offending Jesus Christ. We learned that in verse 10 and 11. You remember, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul was moved, I believe, by holy fear. And what do I mean by that? He was moved and had a purpose in his heart and in his mind that he will not offend his Lord. That his eyes were always on Jesus Christ. Paul would say to me and to you that I, you, should not yield to sin because Paul understood that yielding to sin means to become a slave to Satan. And that's what Jesus mentions in John chapter 8 and verse 35, 34. Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. I'm sorry, but that's just the facts of the case. You can't play around with sin. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Which one do you want to be? The son who abides forever or the slave who goes nowhere? Hmm. I wonder. Oh my goodness. Jesus wants us to be well aware of who the real enemy is. Back to our reading we had this morning. Thank you again. Corbin, for that. Verse 43, Why do you not understand my speech in John chapter 8? Because you are not able to listen to my word. And why? He tells them why. 
He says that you are your, of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. The devil, the oblos, the slanderer. Satan, the devil, seeks to undercut the authority and kingship of Jesus Christ in your life. And he does that through the power of manipulation and lies. Yet Christ has the power to tear down those strongholds, those lies. John chapter 8 and verse 38, he says, verse 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, guess what? You shall be free indeed. Isn't that a statement? If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Whew. That ought to excite us all. Are you yielding to Jesus Christ? That's the question, right? Are you yielding to Satan through sin? Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. He is our commander-in-chief 24-7. He loved us and became sin for us when we were undeserving and unlovable. And for the Apostle Paul, it was very simple. Basically, the idea was this, that I would rather die in the battle than being enslaved to sin. I would rather die than offend my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, verse 21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Who are you living for? A holy fear of Jesus Christ was a powerful motivation for the Apostle Paul. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, and He delivers them. Amen? Psalms 34, verse 7. What about you? Do you have a healthy fear of offending Jesus Christ? Who has control in your life? Who are you afraid of offending the most in your life? These are some powerful questions that we need to answer. But there was something else in this reading that caught my eye. We find that in verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ, the Apostle Paul says, moves me, controls me. And that love powerfully puts me back to Jesus Christ every time Satan throws a temptation my way. But I want to say something here that it breaks my heart to say. And it's a devastating truth. And the reason why I say it breaks my heart is because I had to, I had to realize this. This war, this battle of a life-dominated sin is the fact that you have lost your first love. And that's the sorry state of it. But that's the truth of it. 
you've lost your first love. And the reason I can say that is because something in creation is larger than your love of Jesus Christ. Something is so powerful in this world that it pulls you to do something that directly opposes the will of Jesus. Something Satan has placed in front of you has caused you to move away from the love of Jesus. He has effectively stolen your heart. And whatever that life-dominating sin is, let's just name some of them. Just to be clear, we don't have some vague idea of what some of these are. Lies. Gambling. Addiction. Alcoholism. Porn. Unhealthy, lustful desires. Cravings. And let me put it in this way. Let's pick one of those out that I just mentioned. And let me just spell it out to you. Let's just say porn. I love porn more than I love Jesus. Every time you go look at porn, that's what you're saying. You may not verbalize that, but that's what you're saying. I love gambling more than I love Jesus. I love my little lies more than I love Jesus. We had a beautiful day the other day. Sometimes we have weather here in Oklahoma where the wind does not blow and howl across the plains. And we have one of those days. And you know what I noticed? I noticed several people walking their dogs. And guess what? Those dogs weren't rambling around and just going different directions. You know, they had a leash on them. You know why they had a leash on them? Because they wanted to tell them where to go. They wanted to tell them where to go. You know something else? Another reason why you got a leash on them? Because you don't want your dog to go get some stinking, stinky garbage and eat it. Right? Paul is saying here, being compelled by the love of Jesus, that the love of Christ and my love for Him pulls me back and reigns me back in every time Satan fires his fiery darts at me. That way, I don't eat stinking, rotten things and bring it into my spiritual body. Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted a loss for the sake of Christ. Amen. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ. You see, very simply, Paul was crazy in love for Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just simple words of today. He was crazy in love for Jesus. He was consumed and driven by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Paul had this, listen, had this incredible 
love for Jesus. And it puts me to shame. It really does. He had this compelling love for Jesus. It defined his life. It drove and gave him meaning and purpose. And what did that lead to? What it led to verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. You know why this verse always confused me, but it's, it's how you look at it. And for me, I think it's simple. And I think Paul is talking about the fact that his worldview has completely changed. His whole life is changed. His thinking has changed. His thinking has been transformed. I will not offend my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I will yield to Jesus. I will not yield to sin. I will be crazy in love and consumed by the love of Jesus because the alternative is to be enslaved and have the devil as my master. So what have we learned? We learned that what Paul, what made Paul tick, if you will. What made Paul tick? What causes dramatic life transformation? A healthy fear of God. A healthy fear of Jesus. Offending Him. And an incredible love of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, friends and family, whoever you may be on the internet, you and your life has to be enthralled with Jesus Christ. You have to develop an incredible love of Jesus. You have to develop a healthy and motivating fear of offending Him. And so of all things, you not only must know who your real enemy is, it's the devil, the slanderer, but you also must have a life dominated by the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Does that describe you? I pray that it does. Maybe you've been battling some type of sin in your life. You need to know that there is an answer. You need to know His name is Jesus. You need to know you can be reconciled and you can find answers to how to deal with those problems. And later on in this series, we're going to be uncovering some of those action points. But the message is yours. Are you yielding to sin? If you are, your master is the devil. Are you willing to yield to Jesus, the Savior and King who died for you and loves you? Come forward as we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.